0: That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that
1: pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love
1: the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6.
2: Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, I'm Tom Butler. I'm Brendan Duffy. And I'm Tom Wheatley. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the, the James Bond 80Z Podcast. Join us as three lifelong 007 fans go on a journey of discovery. We're on a mission to discover everything we can about cinema's greatest spy films. By learning about the people who made them, in front of the camera and behind. The James Bond 8 z Podcast is in no way affiliated with James Bond, E.ON or The Fleming Estate. We've researched each episode as extensively as we can, but our information does come from a range of sources. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate, but sometimes we can get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something or add some more detail, email us at podcast at jamesbondaz.co.uk.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the James Bond A to Z podcast. We are still in the letter B and this episode is a special Again, this time, Blofeld. B is for Blofeld. Ernst Stavro Blofeld. I guess you could say he is the Moriarty to Bond's Sherlock Holmes. Is that fair? Yes, you, you could say that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. To to an extent.
2: <laughs> but I guess he's he he's the he's the bad guy. You know, when you think of James Bond, or at least a casual observer, when he thinks of James Bond, he thinks of Blofeld, right, as the adversary. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. And probably m- more so at specific Blofeld than, than any others. But yeah, he's definitely the, the kind of archetypal Bond villain, which is what you see from the fact that it's copied so much in, in parodies and things like that. And it's pretty much always you know the same Blofeld in each
0: one. The gray suit, the bald that's, head. And that's what's made Blofeld uh, have, have the standing in, in the Bond world that it does. Probably more so yeah. the fact that he has been sort of homaged so much.
1: Yeah, and I think, and it also, it, it speaks as well to the time when, in the series, that Blofeld came around in the film series, and the the fans had kind of already existed for a while, so Blofeld kind of, I think, hits that sweet spot where, where Bond is concerned, where, you know, he's he came at the, the time where Bond really hits its stride, and he's he's the, the villain that most people remember.
2: He's sort of the Thanos, isn't he, of... Um... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd suggest we don't veer towards Marvel references in the podcast because uh, cheapens it slightly. But, <laughs> but, but yes, he 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 kind of is. And he, if if you know the world had been different and the legal side of things had been different, he may have been in it significantly more and been a consistent villain like um, uh, Moriarty. But yeah, he's he's still he's still the big one, isn't he? He's, he's the only real repeat offender that's with um, of that stature. It would yeah. have been
0: interesting to see a Roger Moore blowfelt for the whole tenure. What they did uh, with that, you know?
1: It would have been interesting, but... Not
0: saying not it'd be sh- good.
1: I I, 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 don't, I'm not, I can't quite see a blowfelt that would work for Roger. It, it'd have to be a very specific type of blowfelt, wouldn't it?
0: Well, it was meant to be um, Stromberg, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So we'll we'll come to be... that in a bit. Yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> so, so talking about the films then, uh, so he appears, Blofeld appears in From Russia With Love, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, On A Majesty's Secret Service, Diamonds Are Forever, Sort Of In For Your Eyes Only, Never Say Never Again, um, and then later Spectre and No Time To Die. So he's, you know, he, you're right, he is the most recurring Villain um, of the piece, but interestingly,
1: only ever played by the same actor twice, Christoph yep. Waltz. And yeah, that, and I mean, we've not, we've none of us have seen No Time to Die yet, but that's that's set to be quite a small part as well, isn't it? So it's definitely a kind of a one a one shot role a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, I guess. Sorry, I, I guess he was played by the same people in From Russia with the, in Thunderball, but very it was very much a small part, right? So
0: yes, yeah.
2: yeah. Um. So yeah, well let's let's get straight into it then and um, talk about you know where where Blofeld came from. So Blofeld was first introduced to the whole world, to the entire world, in Fleming's nineteen sixty one James Bond novel Thunderball, and in, in that he is the head of Spectre. So weirdly for for Blofeld, his origins lie in the films which hadn't even began at that point. Um, obviously, sixty-one is, is is a year before uh, Doctor No is released, but um, his origins lie within the film. So, so Ian Fleming had always wanted to the books have his books made into into films um, or serials because he knew he just knew that there was more money to be made in selling the rights than in. Mm-hmm you know the, the sales of the books so um so five months before the release of casino royale he purchased a company called glid rose productions i don't know if you know this but uh, it's a small theatrical agency and this then served as the corporate vehicle for fleming to to you know sell the licenses the copyright of his books and it, mm. for the reason that it would save him a lot of money in tax so he had this separate company that did that and so there was a lot of Interest in after the release of um, Casino Royale, there was a lot of interest from various people in terms of turning the the books into films and TV series, and we'll cover all this in much more depth when we get to F for Fleming. I guess there's one the, the important thing is is that at one stage Fleming has a deal on the table with CBS, the TV network, to turn his books into a tv series and so fleming worked on the outlines for the episodes of that program there was going to be 32 episodes and so you it worked out a load of uh, plots of those and so then in 1959 fleming wrote these books uh, sorry uh, turned a lot of these treatments into bond short stories and this is where from a view to a kill risico quantum of solace hildebrand rarity were then turned into the anthology book called for your eyes only and so that's where that all sort of came about and so that was sort Mm -hmm. of in his mind you know i can turn these stories for for TV series into my books because I think he'd sort of, you know, he was getting to a point where he was running out of ideas for the books. So it was at this point that um, Fleming teamed up with someone called Ivor Bryce. And Ivor Bryce looms large in the Fleming story. Again, we'll speak about more then because he, he helped Fleming to buy Goldeneye, his um, his resort, his his his, his home in, in Jamaica. Anyway, they had a mutual friend. I know it's a bit of a roundabout way of getting to this called Ernie Cuneo. And then he suggested that they should make a film, when they were coming up with ideas for a film, about gangsters who steal an atomic bomb and hold the world to ransom. And it's at this stage that Ivor Bryce hires Irish filmmaker Kevin McClory to work on a film. And again, we'll speak a lot more about McClory when we come to the letter M. Don't want to do too much detail in there, but basically McClory then set to work on coming up with an idea for a film and he, he really wanted to f- set the film in, in the Bahamas where he just recently shot a film and he thought there was a lot that could be done underwater. They then hired a writer called Jack Whittingham, but he, he then left to do, work on something else. And so McClory worked on it a bit more and then using C- Cuneo's idea, they all came up together with this idea of Blofeld. And so the script went from there. It was for this film called Longitude uh, Longitude 78 West. So that, that this was all percolating. And in the background, this was an idea for a film. And that's where Blofeld first comes in. And so then, then, then Fleming then took all those ideas and turned them into Thunderball, which he published in 1961. Uh, And this is where everything starts to fall apart because McClory took Fleming to High Court uh, in London for the breach of copyright in 1963. And this was settled. And after E.ON starts producing the Bond films, they make a deal with McClory. Who The the agreement was that he would produce Thunderball uh, and then he couldn't make a version of the novel for 10 years after the release of the E.ON produced version in 65. Right. So that's where the the, the genesis of him comes from. There is uh, obviously a lot of speculation about where the name comes from. Some people say that he took the name Blofeld from Tom Blofeld, who was a farmer and chairman of the Country Gentlemen's Association and a member of a club that Fleming was a member at, a London club. But he'd also been at at, at Eton with Fleming as well. And for cricket fans, Tom Blofeld is the father of Henry Blofeld, the... Commentator, so there's that link there, and then there's also suggestions that I don't know if you've read this before, but Fleming Blake based Blofeld on a real life Greek arms dealer called Basil Zaharoff. Have you heard this name? Has this name come <coughs> up in your research? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: it's and it's cropped up, yeah. And um, so obviously Ernst Stavro, Stavro being a Greek name, you can sort of see the connection there. Now, this guy is worthy of a podcast in himself from reading about him. Be described as the merchant of death and a mystery man of Europe uh, known to his friends as ZZ. So you can it just, it just says Bond villain all over. And I think we'll actually return to him when he, when we get to the letter Z because there's not many more in the bond canon under mm. the letter Z. But um, so I think we'll leave, we'll leave him there, but definitely like if you want to learn more about Basil Zaharoff, have a, have a, have a look into it it's a fascinating story but it's never been confirmed that it's definitely based on him but um that's it basically that he then gets introduced in in Thunderball and yeah I guess Brendan you've been looking into the biography
0: yeah I have I'm gonna do it separately there's two sort of timelines as we move forward into the more recent Bond film so we'll cover the early Blofeld's biography yeah so the background of Blofeld is detailed in Thunderball like you said and And this sort of information isn't covered in the films, so this is the only sort of taste of his backstory that we we get, and it's from the books. His birth date is May 28th, 1908, which is actually in Fleming's birth date as well. So they share that. To a Polish father and a Greek mother in... And I think it's Dinia? It's got a G on it. Maybe that sounds like it might be right. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not, I apologise. He attended the University of Warsaw where he studied economics and political history. So you can see Ian Fleming's like building quite a, quite a nice, rich backstory for Blofeld, yeah. really. He likes his characterisation, doesn't he? Mm. Doing the job on Blofeld. Yeah, definitely. So then he, then he goes to Warsaw Technical Institute and he studies engineering and radionics. Um, mm. Then he takes a communication position within the Polish government at the Ministry of Posts and Telegraphs. And he uses that position... For uh, to gain inside trading and buying and stocks, knowledge on the stock exchange for Warsaw. Apparently he has the foresight to see World War II and makes copies of secret, like, different, different secrets the Nazis required so he sells it to Nazi Germany and then before the German invasion 1939 he destroys all the records of his own existence so he's covering himself where he then moves to Turkey and he works for Turkish radio, and he sets up an intelligence organisation. So during the war, he's also he's selling information to, to both sides. He's just in it for himself. He, classic mean, Blofeld. Classic <laughs> Blofeld, yes. <laughs> then, after the defeat of Rommel, he decides to back the Allied war effort. So he's actually then awarded medals by the Allied powers. And then after the war, he moves to South America and founds Spectre mm. So that's That's Up to the point Where he creates Spectre And then obviously That's where it all Kicks off And he creates this Rich Network of Evil
2: Within the Ne'er
0: Yeah <laughs> So we first He first appears In From Russia With Love Credited This is the films just, now Isn't it This is into the films Yeah Yeah uh, He first appears In From Russia With Love He's only credited As Ernst Blofeld and then in Thunderball as well so in, in these, both of those appearances in the films you don't see his face and yet again that's another iconic thing isn't it, that that's, that's really strikes with that stroking of the, the white cat, which is a very mm. iconic visualisation of that Ripped then it off Inspector in. Gadget I think
1: <laughs>
0: Is that, is that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's spot on And then you've got your, his third, fourth and fifth appearances You Only Live Twice on Her Majesty's and Diamonds Are Forever, he is he's the, the main the main guy uh, that Bond is up against, and they meet face to face, whereas previously they hadn't. Which we'll we'll go on to cover as we go through each actor that's played him, and then during the open sequence again we'll cover this Diamonds Are Forever. It reveals that he's undergone plastic surgery, uh, and that plays a big a large part in the storyline of how Blofeld tries to dupe Bond. And that, that has origins
2: uh, in the books, right? Because in the books, he appears in three, three books and he has a different appearance in each time because he's yes. undergone... Yeah.
0: Convenient. So it matches, this matches Fleming, Fleming's... Port, yeah, in the books, his portrayal, who will go to any length to preserve that anonymity... Anonymity. 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 Anonymit. <laughs> um, including the, loose, the use of plastic surgery. So, yeah, that, the origins there have come from the books. And then there's a sixth appearance which, again, we'll go into more detail, but he's, he's only credited as bald-headed man with white cat. And that is to do with that legal dispute that you, you touched on with Kevin McClory. So, yeah, that's, that's just a, a brief overlay of the biography of Blofeld. And then I'm sure we're going to explore it now as we go. Delve oh, deeper. Yes. yes.
1: Plenty to talk about. So, as you've mentioned, he first appears in From Russia With Love. And he's played by an actor, Anthony Dawson, who you'll also know as being Professor Dent in Doctor No. Very good character in uh, Doctor No, quite an important character, um, which is, I suppose it, it speaks quite a lot to how these films were made in the early days where you, you did reuse actors and it wasn't really an issue at all of, of, of kind of moving around in different films. So I didn't really know a lot about Anthony Dawson. I knew he was in Dialogue for Murder. and He's brilliant in Dialogue for Murder but his history of films that he's, he's worked on and the reason why he's got involved in, in Bond or has been used so much is that he, he's worked with Terence Young quite a few times. So that's that's where he's kind of got involved with, with the series. But he has, you find this quite a lot with the early Bond films. There's always constant links between people who are in, you know, in other films and all that kind of stuff. He was in a film called uh, They Were Not Divided, uh, which was directed by Terence Young, but also starred Christopher Lee and Desmond Llewellyn. And he starred in a lot of films with Desmond Llewellyn. I've got a list down here somewhere. I think it's like five films he's been in with Desmond Llewellyn. Interesting. Pretty nice, um, pretty nice uh, gig to have, getting in a lot of films with Desmond Llewellyn. <laughs> Wouldn't mind seeing a few of those. He's also done things like, uh, he, he was in four episodes of Danger Man. Are you aware of Danger Man? No. It's actor uh, Patrick McGoon. Ah, um, uh, Prisoner. Who was in The Prisoner. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's quite a good series. Um, but I, I don't remember him, him in it, but he tends to get these roles where he plays villainous, creepy guys, and he's very good at them, uh, hence why he's got involved with playing Blofeld. So in From What with Have Love and Thunderball, as we mentioned, you don't actually see him playing the role of Blofeld. You only see his, the back of his head and his hands as a, they stroke a cat, and he's not credited either for, for that role in either of those films. Interestingly, a little side here, note I've got on, on here. I think we've spoken about it before, um, maybe not on the podcast actually, maybe this will come up, but there's a film called OK Connery, yeah. uh, or Operation Kid Brother, which stars Sean Connery's uh, little brother. He's in that, with Lois Maxwell and Bernard Lee and everyone, so I'm not sure how pleased he was being involved in that. Yeah, so in The uh, From Much We Love and in Thunderball, his appearance, even though you don't really see a lot of him, his appearance is actually quite different from... What it, how it appears in You Only Live Twice so in, in those two films he actually wears like a suit he's just kind of wearing a smart suit um, and he's got hair he's got black hair he's, he's actual hair whereas obviously as soon as you go to You Only Live Twice he suddenly starts wearing this strange um, it's actually called a Nero jacket yeah I, I think that's how you pronounce it uh, or Mao suit there's a, that's what um, you can't see Donald Pleasant's wearing so there's quite a big mm. shift in, in w- when they got to Ewan and twice they really did think about the character I don't think they probably put a lot of thought into how he looked and everything he was just a faceless character that existed in, in, in the background so yeah he's, he's not actually playing the voice either so he's not really that to so class him as an actor in it is quite a loose term because really all he is is a silhouette stroking a cat which is a pretty good job to have if, if you can get it uh, <laughs> I don't know how much he got paid for doing that Interestingly, in From which we love, they're discussing a plan to revenge the death of their member, Doctor No, which of course he starred in. So there's an interesting link to that where he's actually talking about the, 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 the previous film. Yeah, and that's it really. He's not re- I don't know. there's not a lot of information around you know him doing that role, but um, obviously it's not so much a memorable role, but it's you know, it's definitely an important feature within those films and in many ways probably a high point for Blofeld because that kind of faceless boss that you don't ever see is actually quite a nice way of doing him. It's
2: such a great mystique. It gives, yeah, it gives him such a mystery to him. I think there are some people, probably me included, who see that as the best incarnation, right? The sort of shadowy figure behind the desk, and
1: me too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and it, I, I, I do as well. And a lot of people, and we'll go through do this in a bit, but. Nobody ever had any problems with Blofeld in those two films. He great character. Whereas as soon as you get into the fact that you know he starts actually becoming main character, that's when people started having problems because it didn't quite fit with what people thought he was going to be. But yeah, really uh, interesting start to a, a character you never actually see. But uh, yeah, that's uh, so it's
2: yeah. It's, Anthony Dawson. It's not very clear why they got Eric Pullman to do the voice of Blofeld in those films. I guess Anthony Dawson was Scottish and they wanted yeah. someone with a european or sort of faintly foreign accent and so so they got eric Pullman. there so um i'll just tell you a little bit about him very quickly he's german and born in 1913 and um yeah, he worked mainly in the UK. He 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 was a classically trained actor, uh, born in Vienna, and he trained yeah trained to be an actor there. And in 1939, he followed his fiance uh, and and then later his wife, a lady called Lett Goettinger, and she was Jewish, and so obviously she fled Germany at that stage, and they came to the UK in in exile. Interestingly, when they when they were here, he took part in some propaganda broadcasts against the Nazis on the BBC World Service. So. Quite an interesting character from, from that sense. And they both took temporary positions in the household of the Duke of Bedford. So his partner, Lisa Lett, worked as a cook, and Eric was a a butler. So quite an interesting story there. After the war, he then began his career on the the London stage. And because of, obviously, being a foreign actor, or or at least a European actor, he got a lot of roles in in TV and film, often uh, in crime films, sometimes in comedies. And he would always be sort of typecast as master criminals spies, that sort of thing, authority figures. Uh, he's got loads of credits to his name, actually, some really interesting ones. He played King George II in, a, in Disney's Rob Roy, The Highland Rogue, not seen that one. Mm-hmm. He's also in The Third Man. Uh, he's in a, a bunch of other films, including some US films and comedies such as Gentlemen Marry Brunettes. And then he was also in The Bell of Centrinians, Carry, and carry On Spying and The Return of the Pink Panther. So... But yes, he actually plays a character just
1: called Fat Man in those. Uh, <laughs> the, in those, I checked that up. The, yeah. the Fat Man, yeah. So then,
2: 1963, uh, he appears as the voice of Blofeld in in From Russia with Love, and 65, Thunderball. He actually became much more famous after that. Got a lot of t- uh, success in German TV um, in, in in an adaptation of a novel called The Woman in White, and apparently it's one of the most successful German TV shows ever, and it still has a, quite a cult following over there. Apparently, I've not mm-hmm. heard of it before, but. Um, Yeah, he also became quite regular on British TV, starred in a TV series called The Colonel March of Scotland Yard in the 1950s. That was with Boris Karloff. And then also appeared in a lot of um, TV series, including, you'll like this, The Saint, The Avengers, Danger Man. Oh, that lot. Jason King, all those (laughs) sorts of things. Uh, And he died in 1979, aged 66. He has never spoken about Bond there's no explanation as to why he was chosen, how he ended up there, as far as I could find. So um, he's more yeah. of a footnote in the Blofeld story, but um, you know he he gives you know that character some yeah. It's a great
1: voice, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's, it's. I I I just imagining that scene. I just know that voice instantly off the top of my head. It's it's such an important voice, and I think it's we won't we'll talk about this later. But a similar format of of that voice happens later on in the in in the Daniel Craig era. And I remember seeing it and thinking it just didn't have the, the kind of impetus, the the, 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 the power that that, that earlier one had. And I think that, as I was saying earlier, that they, they picked him and, and not Anthony Dawson to do the voice. His voice doesn't suit Anthony Dawson's body in that scene, and I think that's why it works. It sounds like the voice of a big man, doesn't it, who's loud and probably quite... Well, he's, he plays a fat guy in films. He's probably quite a big man. So that it, it adds a certain sense of, of kind of sinister quality to it when you mix those those that voice with that body but um no really important and then he goes he goes larger than life in you only live twice
0: yeah so obviously they've only showed so far stroking the cat booming voice what are people going to want to see apparently according to the <laughs> the producers and screenwriters they go they want to see a face-to-face meet with bond so yeah. that's what they go ahead with you know they've had great success with those early bond films and and then they decide that they need to show him on screen. He is yeah. the head of the, you know, head of Spectre. So let's see the two characters meet up. It so was they, always going to happen, wasn't it? Well, eventually, yeah. Um, after two films, though, maybe they could have dragged that up a bit more. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, they asked numerous people to, like, character actors to to play this role who were unavailable or were working on other projects at the time, and Harry Saltzman had the idea to ask a renowned, renowned comedic Czech actor called, and again, I apologise for pronunciation, but I think it's Jan Verix. Sounds about right. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> um, and he accepted uh, the role, and then he met the director, Louis Gilbert, in Cubby Broccoli's office, and he, met, he was greeted with this kind, Father Christmas-style figure who had struggles with the English language. And instantly he's thinking, oh, oh, I've got doubts, I don't know about this. Because what we've seen so far, it just didn't, it didn't match. They gave him the benefit of the doubt and they started shooting and it only took five days for them to realise that this isn't going to work, he's not right for the part. And so he was fired so and, and no one knows they they blamed it on him being ill that was a good get out yes. yeah. no one knows how many scenes were filmed with as blofeld there are some photos on the internet so you can see him in character he's got the he's got the cat and he's in he the looks like colonel sanders <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he does yeah <laughs> but he doesn't look menacing at all but maybe had they have stuck with it that could have been quite an interesting juxtaposition who knows there's no actual footage of the scenes. They obviously exist because in the, act- in the film where Bond first meets him, from behind you see him stroking the cat. You can see the top of Verix's hair just just before um, Donald Pleasence's face is revealed. So look out for that because that is in there. A little, uh, just a nugget of trivia about Jan Verix. He's got a planet named after him. Ooh, that's My- good. Minor planet 2418 Voskovec Verix. <laughs> was discovered by Lub- Lubos Kahutek and it's named after Jan Verix and George Voskovec. Yeah, don't don't worry about the Blofeld role, mate. You've got a planet. Yeah, don't you've got a planet exactly? So yeah, he was sacked and then hands it over to Donald Pleasance.
1: Yes, so Donald Pleasance. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good point that you you mentioned that a lot of his scenes are. He, he is still in the film in in certain bits, and apparently a lot mm. of the scenes where Sean Connery is speaking to Blofeld, he. At the time, he's actually looking, he's not looking at Donald Pleasance, he's looking at Yan. Uh, and the, 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 the reactions are the reactions he's got to Yan and not the ones that he's got to Donald Pleasance. So they still kept a lot of the actual scenes in from some angle, but obviously not with him actually in it. Yeah. Uh, so Donald Donald Pleasance, it's, uh, Donald Pleasance is a funny one because I, I was thinking about this earlier. And when I think of Blofeld, I do think of Donald Pleasance. And I think that, that, that that's what most people do. And for some reason in my head, I always must, I always just assume that he was in more than the other ones because he's so much more important. Yeah. But he's not in more than the other ones; he's exactly the same as the other ones. And in the whole of *You Only Live Twice*, he's only really in it for like ten minutes, and cumulatively. And um, that was one of the, the a lot. There's a lot of kind of uh, kind of reviewers and and responses come when people saw the film saying that he just didn't have enough screen time throughout the whole film. I don't necessarily agree with that, but um, it's interesting that he's held that that role so so powerfully against other people when really I mean Telly Savalas is in it the whole film's about Telly Savalas really he's constantly in it he's always like in scenes whereas um, who knows maybe it's just because of the kind of like simple way that he looks and people just remember that and Austin Powers is
2: The Scar more than more. as well yeah The Scar I, yeah just having something
0: simple probably to do with the fact that Telly Savalas was in On A Majesty's Secret Service as well which isn't a yeah. Connery He's not a very. I mean, Butler will say
1: how much he loves On a Magic Secret Service and, and Telly Savalis in that film, but um, he's not me- memorable. That, the people who aren't really into Bond probably don't remember that film very well because it's very similar, a lot of the scenes and everything. And and he's not the most eye catching person, is he, in comparison mm. to a massive scar on, um, yeah. on Donald Pleasance? But anyway, some interesting facts about Donald. Um, this is a good one for you, Butler. And for me, uh, he was born in Works at Nottinghamshire, but he actually he was actually brought up in a small village uh, called Grim Grimaldby in Lincolnshire. Ah, and he went to uh, school in Scunthorpe. Very so good. We might have to go for a road trip there, Lincolnshire point lad, to, uh, <laughs> to check out where he lived. He he's got quite an interesting career, really. I didn't go too too in depth with 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 what his life has been like, but um, he he was kind of a stage actor. He was that before the war happened, uh, Second World War, he was, he was a stage actor and then um, he objected to being in the war so it wasn't until quite late on in the war that he actually did get involved and he joined the RAF. He got captured and he was a prisoner of war in Germany and he used to put on plays for the other prisoners while he was there and then obviously carried on acting as, as, as he came out. He's got an enormous filmography. He's been in so much stuff. He kind of created a uh, role for himself in in this kind of s- weird, evil, Nazi-style baddie that, and he did it in a lot of films, uh, especially in in his early days. Um, he was in uh, The Great Escape, obviously one of the, probably his most famous role uh, outside of Blofeld, and he was also in THX One One Three Eight, which I didn't know.
2: George Lucas. Um,
1: yeah, so so obviously he's he's a short man. He's he's got a bald head. He's he's got kind of a weird stare. He's quite if you're going to hire him to do something chances are it's going to be a baddie or somebody who's he's not going to be the hero is he um, so he what probably most important role he's played that kind of epitomises that is he played Heinrich Himmler in, in The Eagle Has Landed very well um, also <laughs> uh, also he played uh, he was in Escape from New York in 981 uh, he was a priest in Prince of Darkness and then he was in all of the Halloween films uh, and he was actually Goody in all of the Halloween films he was one of Loomis. the heroes Yes, um, I don't. Know. I don't think I've ever actively watched the Halloween films. I think it's a bit on in a room, but I've never been into it. But I do remember him. Yeah, I
2: think um, I think calling him in the goody is. Um, yeah, he's a bit more nuanced than that because he sort of um, he sees the he, he's trying to help Michael to like he's giving him therapy in the first yeah. film, and then he's trying to sort of you know turn him from evil. So it's it's kind of a, a, a mixed sort of. He's not so good, not so bad, but uh, it's a great character Loomis brilliant
1: well he's i think if if you've just typed in him to YouTube and just asked for clips you just see so many films that you go oh he's in that oh he's in that as well he's in that um he's always just kind of like one of these like one of those actors that's it's just in so much stuff not as a main character but just constantly in it because he if you want a person that fulfills that role he's your guy really there's only a few other guys that kind of uh, great yeah kind of fit great
2: that. character actor
1: yeah. So, yeah, he was... Uh, and then eventually, after, obviously, the role of Blofeld didn't work out when it came to uh, Jan Werrick, he kind of got involved and immediately did a good job. He was quite heavily involved in the you know, the outfits and, and, and the, the characterisation of Blofeld, and he, he kind of made a few suggestions of, of how he wanted to do it and how he wanted to look. There was talk of there being a hump, a limp, a beard and a lame hand finally they settled on a scar which um, he said he found uncomfortable um, because there's a lot of glue attached, uh, attached to his it looks to, painful to when you look it. at it yeah it's a pretty intense scar isn't it to, to, a lot of the makeup to, to put on yeah so he, he he pulled that role together really well and yeah he's they said um, when they when they got him involved that because he'd never been seen on screen that he had to have a big scar or something because he had to shock the audience when they first saw Blofeld he couldn't just be a Normal-looking man with black hair who just walks out from a t- chair. He had to have something quite notifiable, uh, noticeable about him that, that people would look at and go, "Wow, that's that's strange. That's that's eye-catching." So that was that was a key decision that was made. Uh, he did say that. He, I mean, he got so, he gets some of some great lines in the film. He's almost like he's quite a camp baddie in many ways, and he gets lots <laughs> of silly lines and almost almost pantomime pantomime lines in the film one of them is uh, if I'm going to be forced to watch television may I smoke that's Bond yes it won't be the nicotine that kills you Mr Bond little little pithy lines that he gets that uh, not really <laughs> necessary for a baddie to do um, and he definitely doesn't pull them off in the same way that somebody like Goldfinger does where it's kind of like mano al manio it's, it's always a bit of a Kind of strange element to it where he's a bit seedy and not quite sure why he's saying it but it received mixed uh, he received mixed response from reviewers because a lot of people or, or, or some people thought that he was just too ridiculous as a baddie especially based on the previous bond films and he was a big jump up from the the, the kind of roles that you've seen in those the, those earlier films and also as i said he didn't, didn't have a lot of screen time so um his characterization throughout the film was, was actually was actually quite strange He did say that, quite a nice quote, to be an outright villain on a fairly superficial basis, which is the kind of villains required of you in most kinds of movies, is not very difficult. Say you're playing someone like Blofeld. Well, you've got everything going for you. You've got your own volcano. You've got James Bond at your mercy. They give you a marvellous pussycat to stroke. And what do you have to do? Just look him straight in the eye, speak with a funny accent, and not blink too often. Then everyone says, what an incredibly sinister man with those funny eyes. (laughs) So not bigging himself up there but suggesting that it's probably easier to to play that kind of role because it's it's quite a simple role. It's not. There's not a lot of depth in, especially in the early bonds. There's not a lot of depth to the baddies, is there? They're just an evil person. Whereas obviously later on, they do try and add it in. I, I, there's an interesting thing I found out when I was when I was re- researching this. It's not really specifically to do with Blofeld, but it's to do with his cat. Um, but during the uh, the shooting of the the final uh, the finale of the volcano set, apparently the, the cat was ridiculously scared and it, it kept running away and it would they'd lose it for like days and it would just be hidden in the rafters of the studio. Air and stuff like that because it was just running away from these explosions. But if you type in to YouTube um scared blowfell cat, there's a scene it's in the film where the cat is literally clawing at Donald Pleasant's arm trying to get away from him and his eyes are poking out like sideways <laughs> trying to get away and he's just acting and holding this cat in place it, I, when I watched the YouTube video I thought it was like an outtake but it's the actual scene so worth having a look at that and just seeing how ridiculous that is uh he, D- Donald also said that um, the cat would often dirty his trousers when it was scared so um <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I, I, I couldn't find any videos of that but yeah sounds uh c- certainly uh Always fun to work with animals, isn't it? <laughs> what well, uh, they say,
2: never work with children and animals.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's an, an interesting character and definitely um, about, I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever thought about who my favourite Blofeld is really. I don't know if I have one, but yeah, he's definitely the one that. That you think if of. If you were to draw, draw Blofeld, yeah. that he, that's what he looked like.
2: But he's a cartoon yeah. villain in that one, isn't he? It's a very cartoony film, that film, just in general. Yeah. You, you only live twice. Yeah.
1: But when you think about it, it was Roald Dahl, wasn't it? He wrote that script, and Roald Dahl was all about the, the fantasy, yeah, the fantasy and the the caricatures and the the, the, the you know he, every character he writes has got some sort of physical obvious thing, hasn't yeah yeah. Think. So um, so yeah, maybe maybe it's Roald Dahl who's who's caused him. Who knows? So then that takes us on to the next film on Imagine Secret Service. So,
2: after You Only Live Twice, the Blofeld characterisation takes a complete left turn. <laughs> he is a very different character in, on Her Majesty's Secret Service to how we were used to him in You Only Live Twice. He plays a much more central part in the film, first of all. He's physically in it more, he physically does more, uh, you know he's he's in a lot of action sequences, and also he's quite like he's um, don't know how to, to how to put this, but he's quite a sexual man in this film as well. He flirts with the women. Um,
1: he's a, he's, a, he's almost like um, he's not a counterpart to Bond, but he's definitely a man like Bond. Yes, like, yeah. He's not a weirdo, is he? He's he's yeah. Like, he's he's, he's much
2: more cosmopolitan, man of the world than this weirdo like head of a secret organisation. So I think they knew that they were, he was going to be in it more for this film, and that's why they re- chose to recast the part. So Peter Hunt, who was the editor on You Only Live Twice, had been promoted to director for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And so this is a quote from the book, Some Kind of Hero, excellent book, which, again, I'll, I'll be recommending quite a lot. But Peter Hunt said he didn't want Pleasance to return, and this is why he said... He's a fine actor, but I wanted someone who could play it more realistically. If you look at him, you never see him move anywhere. I had to cut his movements as he just minced around everywhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds accurate, though.
2: So that's what Peter Hunt said about Donald Pleasance, and that's why they looked to cast someone else, because it was going to be a much more physical part this time around. At this point, Max von Sydow is linked with the role. They did look at Max von Sydow, and he's someone that will crop up again in a bit the actor that they landed on in the end was Telly Savalas. And so he was born Aristoteles Savalas in New York in 1922. By the time he'd come to make Bond, uh, he'd already been nominated for Best Supporting Actor Oscar for the 1962 film Birdman of Alcatraz. And he'd also recently starred with Diana Rigg and Oliver Reed in the Assassination Bureau. And this is where it all comes together he was a gambling friend of cubby broccolis he used to play cards with cubby basically right. uh, so it was just it was gonna happen right oliver reed had been linked with bond diana rig was in bond so uh savallas got the role and he saw savallas as we said as a cosmopolitan man so i you get the sense that he molded the role to be like him basically and he's very different in this film to how he, he's he been built up so far and obviously what's interesting about this is it, this is the Bond comes face to face with Blofeld and they don't recognise each other so the continuity is, is all over the place interestingly the writer of the film Richard Maybaum he was not a fan of Telly Savalas he didn't. He didn't think he was the right man for the role, and he, he and he was campaigning with Peter Hunt to get Cervales to play Blofeld with an accent. You know, he'd written him as Blofeld that, that we'd seen before. He should have the accent. He should be this, but you know, Cervales just uses American accent, and we get this very different Blofeld. Lazenby. Um, he had a sort of uh, a tenuous relationship with Cervales in one interview he said that Savalas saw himself as the star of the film basically so that you get a sense that he was the big man on set and also he would often play it he would often invite Lazenby to play cards at the end of the shoot at the end of each day because he knew that Lazenby wasn't spending his per diem on set so he was keeping this hundred dollars he was getting per day to feed himself he wasn't spending it so he was like come play cards come play cards just kept rinsing of him his money, and in the end, Harry Saltzman had to intervene and tell him to stop. It was like, "This is my leading man. Stop, stop taking him to the cleaners yeah. at the gambling is true, table."
1: It, though at that, t- at that time, Teddy Savas, is a pretty famous guy, and
2: he's an Oscar-winning um, star. And Lazenby's just a model, isn't he? He's, yeah, yeah. And in fact, he didn't even lie about being a model. I don't even know if he was even a model at that point. But anyway, so obviously, in this film, Bond is actually on the hunt for Blofeld. And he tracks him down to Switzerland and, and Bond, because uh, Bl- the plot is basically Bl- Blofeld is trying to claim the title of, of uh, the Count Balthazar de Blochamp. And so this is where Bond comes in. So he poses as Sir Hilary Bray from the um, genealogy department. And so he then goes to this clinical allergy research institute in Gloria in the Swiss Alps, one of the great Bond locations, if you ask me. And this is where he meets the angels of death, and these are the women that Blofeld has um, recruited, and they're they're being brainwashed, and they're going to just distribute this this bacterial warfare, basically this nerve death stuff around the world. Uh, Bond escapes from Piz Gloria. Tracy, who is also part of the plot, she gets captured by Blofeld, and so then with the help of Draco, he then ret- Bond returns to Pisgloria Gloria to rescue Tracy. Blofeld escapes quite a memorable scene where he escapes on a on a bobsleigh and gets snared on a tree branch (laughs) (laughs) um around the neck obviously then the film ends bond james bond goes off marries tracy and then this is it this is the moment blofeld kills his wife tracy his newlywed wife and obviously this is the famous you know adds to the adds to the mystique of blofeld i think And 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 he's standing in the in the cannon More than Savalas does. It's his actions that really cement his place in the in the Bond history. So, so reading about on a Majesty Secret Service, there was a point during the development of the film when Sean Connery was going to do it that there was it was going to be revealed that Blofeld was uh, Goldfinger's twin, which is interesting. And then later, obviously in Diamonds Are Forever, the main the main villain in Diamonds Are Forever was going to be Goldfinger's twin. So this idea recycled again, but Gert Frobe decided uh, he refused to come back to play the villain in Diamonds Are Forever. So then they just replaced the character completely with Blofeld. So this idea of this twin oh, cool. and Goldfinger sort of was, was percolating. It does seem a
1: bit messy, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit much, isn't it? That.
2: So like I said, he had a mixed relationship with Lazenby, but Lazenby actually said that um, uh, there was a moment where they were rehearsing their first scene together and someone had, you know, I think maybe Lazenby had overheard it, overheard it, but someone had warned Savalas that, you know, that he's not really an actor. You might, you know, he's a novice and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But actually when they were doing these rehearsals together, actually Savalas turned around in front of Lazenby to the person who said this to him and said, he doesn't need any help. I've got to watch out. He's going to blow me off the screen. And Lazenby just said that, you know, that, that remark just really helped help boost his confidence. So actually, you know, yeah. he, was a, he was quite friendly towards Lazenby. So obviously... That's, that's his involvement in James Bond he um, later became famous for playing Kojak in the TV ser- 1970s TV series uh, interestingly while he was working on the movie On Her Majesty's Secret Service Sally met the actress Sally Adams she's one of Blofeld's angels of death and they, she was 25 years younger than him but they actually moved in together and they had a son together later they stopped living together and, and she fired, filed a, a, a palimony lawsuit against him so it uh, didn't work out that one. <laughs> oh. So he actually had three marriages, six kids, and this is a good one. He had a celebrity goddaughter, Jennifer Aniston.
1: No way. So Telly Savalas,
2: yeah, Telly was Jennifer Aniston's godfather because he was best friends with her father. So that's interesting.
1: Well, that's very interesting. Mm. That's definitely going to uh, get brought out at uh, some dinner parties.
2: Yeah. So in ninety, <laughs> he died. He died in nineteen ninety four. And he died uh, from cancer uh, at the Sheraton Universal Hotel in University City, California, where he'd been living for
1: 20 years. So he'd gone full Alan Partridge and was living in a hotel. <laughs> and if you go. There is a bit of the Alan Partridge about Telly's isn't there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so if you go to the Sheraton Universal Hotel in Universal City, the bar there is called Telly's, named after him. Oh, that's
1: good. Ah, nice
2: couple of other fun facts before I move on uh, just because I really found this enjoyable looking into it but he had a number one single in the UK, Talis It was a spoken word version of Bread's song If and it reached number 1 in 1975.
1: Yes, I have heard this.
2: And then in the in the late 1970s if you went to the cinema at a certain time there would be these little mini films that were shown before the films. They were called Telly Savalas looks at Portsmouth, Telly Savalas looks at Aberdeen, and Telly Savalas looks at Birmingham, and so they were. <laughs> he did the voices over for these little travel films for like these British towns and um or British and Sc- Scottish towns, and um yeah. Apparently, they were qu- there were there were examples of quota quickies, which were a part of a requirement that cinemas in the UK show a percentage of British produced films. So they just had to fill this quota, and that's how right. they did it. And Telly Savalas was involved with that. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, he's a very different Blofeld. Very different. It's in one of my favourite Bond films, but probably the least least memorable Blofeld. Is that is that fair?
1: I always I was fine with Teddy Spice when you're watching it. He's actually quite an engaging character in it. But he, I think the role that he plays is so far removed from what you expect. He's like you can't even imagine Donald Pleasance's Blofeld playing that role in in, in on his magic service. He's basically he walks around the building. Smoking with James Bond, just chatting like normal yeah. blokes. Mm. Whereas, yeah, yeah he's, he's he's such a far removed role. And, he, and he's very hands on as well, isn't he? He actually fights Bond. He actually runs around doing stuff, which I don't think works with Blofell. Blofell's meant to be like om, omnipotent. He's just he
2: pulling what, the strings, right? Yeah. Yeah, it defeats the yeah. point.
1: The whole point of Spectre is that it's all these what, tentacles that are going out and you're controlling things, and he's doing it all himself. He's, pra- he's actually making phone calls and stuff, isn't he? Like, trying to get helicopters and things.
2: Very weird. Very weird. Mm.
0: Well, and... if it's left field you want. <laughs> Go on.
2: <laughs> when does he pop up next?
0: He pops up in Diamonds Are Forever. This time played by Charles Gray. <laughs> so visually looking very different this time. So he's, he's got hair. He, his face shape is completely different. And his, his personality is slightly different as well. They've tied in the visual, you know, how he looks in with the story. So they, I guess they can get away with that. But the complete sort of abandonment of the original character seems difficult to, to, to deal with. He's a very smarmy man, isn't he? <laughs> yes, yeah, smarmy and just like you couldn't you couldn't see Donald Pleasance again. Go back to that. You couldn't see Donald Pleasance playing this in exact all the the same scenes as Charles Gray plays in you know. Yeah. And the lines you couldn't put the lines in his mouth either. No. It's strange isn't it? They've they've basically
1: had three different blowfells in very quick succession and couldn't have been f- further removed from each one of them. Not, not need none of them are similar to the other ones, which is a very strange yeah. way to do it.
0: Yeah. So Charles Grey he w- he was born Donald Marshall Grey. So he he appeared in You Only Live Twice as Dick o. Henderson as well, which I'm sure when we get to G we will cover Charles Grey in more depth. So it's interesting he's been in two Bond films as two different characters. He also played Mycroft Holmes in The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes and the criminologist in The Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975. So they're two of his other big roles. Born in Bournemouth and went to school with, with Benny Hill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, preparing him to play this version of Blofeld. <laughs> yeah, certainly took a few uh, learnings from him. <laughs> By the time he got to his mid-twenties, he'd, uh, he'd been working as a, an estate agent but he, he quit. He left that job to try and become an actor, where he carved out a bit of a career for himself, uh, the old Vic and the RSC, received vocal training, and became noted for the, uh, his imposing presence. And then he, his breakout year was 1967, so that was the same year you only lived twice. But it was the, the Night of the Generals with Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif, which is a murder mystery film set in the Second World War. So that was his breakout and then, four years after his first appearance in a Bond film, he appeared as Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever. So the, the story is treading similar lines to, to before. You know, Bond is trying to track down Blofeld. Slightly harder this time, because Blofeld is creating lookalikes with the use of plastic surgery and hot mud bath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a hot mud bath in there, yeah. <laughs> So the he tracks yeah Bond tracks down these operations to find out you know that all these lookalikes are being created. The real real Blofeld avoids being caught by Bond and he goes and takes the place of billionaire Willard White. So again, you know he'll do anything you know Blofeld will do anything to to hide himself and try and not be caught. And then he starts operating from that the hotel penthouse of of White and he sets about trying to construct a laser satellite which will then blackmail the world's governments and try and sell off to the highest bidder all very Doctor Evil Yeah. so as we go to the end it's classic we aim for that crescendo at the end so Bond escapes capture obviously, <laughs> classic he finds out the location of the original Willard White and rescues him and in the meantime Blofeld is escaping abducts Tiffany Case, who is the Bond girl in Diamonds Are Forever. So the CIA attack the rig. There's an oil rig. Blofeld attempts to escape using a midget submarine. And then the sub is crashed. Bond gains the control of the submarine It then crashes into the control room. Big explosion. Base destroyed. Blofeld dead. Question Question mark. mark. Mm. Yes. But in terms of this, the way it's played, have I imagined that he dresses up in drag? No, he does dress up in drag. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I
1: can't remember what point it is, but I've just, I've just got it in, in my head. Because I imagine him
0: yeah, in a wig.
1: Is it because he's trying to escape and that's his disguise? <laughs> so can you imagine Donald Pleasant's... Oh, it's dressed. just... <laughs> I mean, this is the same thing as... Whereas um, Telly Savalas goes, he's very real and he does stuff and he, he's almost he's just a a guy who's working all the time the um, this Blofeld is he's he's similar in a way in that he's very heavily involved with what's going on Mm. too involved he doesn't need to do all this stuff I don't know why he bothers doing the whole thing with Willard White where where he sits in his office he pretends to be him by using a voice a voice changer yeah changer so that people think he's him why is he getting involved you don't anybody because it's not even him anybody could could do that yeah. So surely that would be one of his agents I don't know why he gets so get involved with this plot And it's not even like His, his, his other plots are way more Detailed and in, yeah. enticing Than this one This seems like a strange one for him to get involved with, But I don't know, maybe maybe Spectre's having bad times And it's stripping to staff <laughs> or something
2: I mean, Diamonds Are Forever The book has nothing to do with Blofeld, right So he is being shoehorned in at this stage but I yeah. mean, the the drag that you're right, the drag scene is 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 kind of ridiculous, and you wonder why Sean Connery didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. It's just is a strange character. But if you if you spoke to anybody who wasn't a big Bond fan and you said, "Who is this man?" they wouldn't say that's Blofeld. They wouldn't even remember who he was. Really, he's Absolutely he's just not. not. Quite, he's he's tell, at least tell us. have something about him that's interesting. I don't think I don't think this Blofeld is. He's—he's he's just not—he's just not memorable, is he? That strange no. persona with the American accent and everything—just very odd. Yeah.
0: So, is he dead? Uh, you know, he crash. His sub crashes. Is he dead? Do we see him again? Well, glad you asked, because <laughs> now we come to
1: <laughs> one of my favourite parts of the whole Bond series. As you will remember, the at the start of actually before I talk about this, there is actually a bit of history behind. Blofeld earlier on in the series before before For Your Eyes only when they were working on the Spy Love Me there are drafts supposedly of, of the Spy Love Me where Blofeld was actually meant to be in that script and the plot I think there's a there's a there's a section in the Spy Love Me that talks about Tracy
2: that's right yeah
1: yeah and. There's no real evidence of of, of where, what happened with this concept and or, or what was going to be done, but there's a lot a lot of people talk about on, on the internet and in forums and things and articles where originally the, the plan for Spy Love Me was that Blofeld was 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 going to be Stromberg and it was going to be a revenge tale where they go back to Blofeld and and they, they he gets his revenge for what he did to Tracy. Obviously, it doesn't happen like that, but they still left that. There's still that mention in there, which which seems like it, it might be a, a kind of leftover bit from an original script, because there's no other reason why he, why throw that in. Yeah, I guess in now,
2: 1977, you were looking at 10 years since Thunderball, or 12 years since Thunderball, and so yeah. I guess this is where the Kevin McClory situation rears its yes. head. And if they had planned to use him, then maybe they didn't have the legal ramifications just weren't both worth dealing with and so they flipped yeah
1: definitely there's a definite, there's a, definite a, a, a level of um that kind of is it worth actually g- going for this is it worth winning this court case or trying to win any, any sort of cause case or legal battle so that's spoil of me there's no real blofeld link there there's just a, a suggestion that that might have happened but you can you can imagine that every time they do a bond film, that cops up there's ideas like can we do this can we add in these characters no we can't and obviously the whole spectre thing is crops up constantly but let's move on a few more years to for your eyes only where if you remember the pre-title sequence it's a very strange (laughs) pre-title sequence but also a very interesting one it's very memorable um it's also really ridiculous (laughs) so in in this sequence roger goes to goes to see the uh the, the grave of his of his dead wife and i think he puts down some flowers and then gets in the gets in the mi6 helicopter that's picking him up from the graveyard to take him back wherever he wants to go, presumed because they have endless money and to, to to put behind sending people in helicopters to to graveyards and things like that. But as he gets into the helicopter, we see a flash, and it's there's a man sat in a wheelchair with a cat, and uh, he's got a neck brace on and he's bald, but he's got this like this strange contraption where it's like a, especially <laughs> remote control. He's got remote control helicopter drone system set up but it's got a lot of screens and buttons on it it's very convoluted so roger moore gets in there and then suddenly you hear the voice of i suppose it's a, a similar voice to the original blofeld actually that, that you hear in from Russia of love and, and Thunderbolt. it's quite a deep slightly um well it's, it's not an english accent in there so he so you hear that voice the pilot gets electrocuted um so suddenly it's a remote control helicopter and blofeld's flying or Whoever this character may be, is suddenly flying Roger Moore around London oil drums and stuff like that around. I don't know where it is in London, but just flying him around. Roger realizes he's got to get control. He gets out, he climbs around, gets into the the front seat all the time. Blofeld's laughing, just constantly laughing at this amazing (laughs) thing he's done. Ten years after he was almost killed by Roger, I don't know why he's waited so long and why this is his comeback but uh, the the best bit that well it's not the best bit, the best bit's is coming up but there, <laughs> to beat him he, there's a massive wire with a tape around it sticking out the wall so Roger pulls it, get control back of the uh, helicopter so really Blofeld's not doing well is he? He's, he's really gone from quite high power to really struggling to come up with these concepts and barely even managed to put wires into helicopters and things so eventually he, he takes control of it then it just gets more weird because Blofeld's on top of a roof, so which makes it quite easy for Roger just to swoop down, pick up the wheelchair, fly in the sky. Roger then slaps Blofeld on the head. <laughs> Gives him a slap head, kind of tap on the head. And uh, he says, keep your hair on. And then drops him into the, a, a big chimney. And all the way down, Blofeld's just going, Bond! It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, and there's also no reason, no relevance to the rest of the film. Like the reason they're throwing that in, I, I looked at some some um, re, like research around why that was in there, and one of the suggestions was that they, the, the producers, just wanted to show that they could, and they didn't care. They didn't need to put Blofeld in a film, but they, they, if they wanted to, they could stick something in, because there's there's really no other reason why that exists. It's not poignant. It's not. Um, it's not useful to the plot and it just kind of like just pops down but anyway so that's, that's the scene John Hollis plays the Blofeld character in that scene he's he's, he's quite famous for a lot of roles largely like sci- sci-fi and stuff he was in Superman films he was in the original Casino Royale Dirty Dozen Flash Gordon he was in and he was in the Empire Strikes Back he plays I can't remember it's like a you'll know this butler there's like a, bol, a bald alien that's got a big robot, robot. thing that's it, Lobot. Yeah, so he plays Lobot in that. And, yeah, he, he's not... The voice is actually Robert Ratey. I don't know a lot about him. So, yeah, there's a lot of callbacks to it. There's the mention of Tracy. On the side of the helicopter is Universal Exports. Obviously, there's Blofeld. Uh, there's loads of one-liners in that opening sequence. It's unnecessary. <laughs> um, uh, and there's one line which is very strange. and And, and people have, like, gone on message boards to find out what it actually means and it's 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 the line where he's he's flying along and and to get bond to let him go he says i will buy you a delicatessen with a (laughs) stainless steel counter which means nothing to anyone but apparently it's like well there's not really many good explanations of why that's in there i think there's some sort of gangster thing associated with it some people just said a delicatessen with a stainless steel kind of surface is quite expensive. So, <laughs> but uh, there's definitely no. It's, it seems very odd. But that, if you eyes only if you remember the, the film, it comes right after Moonraker, and Moonraker is a very silly film. It's a very fantastical film, and there's a certain element, and, and and they they do talk about this. Even Michael G. Wilson says this: is that if they carried on going down the path of Moonraker, things would just get more outlandish. So we needed to get back to basics. Now, I think they took that too literally by going, we need to put Blofeld in there to remind people of this in a ridiculous way as well. They could have done it in a much smarter way. They could have done an amazing scene, actually. If they were, were going to pretend that Blofeld come back in a scene without actually using him like as a character, you could have done some really clever stuff and really made people think about it. Director John Glenn just uh, said about the, the villain not being able to call him Blofeld, we just let people use their imaginations and draw their own conclusions. It's a legal thing. <laughs> so um, you can kind of see that they know what they're doing. They were probably trying to goad Kevin, weren't they? And Because uh, that that was like the peaks of that, that kind of legal battle and they couldn't really use it. But uh, aside from that, there, there was um, actually... Eon disputed McClory's ownership of the our blow- blow- character but decided not to use the character again. Um, and and it, some people said it, the scene was a deliberate statement by Broccoli of his lack of need to use that character. So um, it seems like... That, I can't think of any other reason why you put that in there apart from just to annoy someone or mess about.
0: I have to confess, um, but I, I really what? like the scene. Really? Why do yeah. you like the scene? I think because it doesn't take itself seriously and I think also because you don't see Blofeld you've got that that makes a return yeah. of not seeing Blofeld and I know it's silly but it also knows it's silly itself and I, I just well, appreciate it's, it's, that
1: yeah it's Roger isn't it, it yeah I, 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 I like it I, I think it it goes down I, I always remember it mm. it's a very important scene and I've, I've, I think I've often discussed it with people at that, at that scene but I tell you that Blofeld is just he's just like a shouting <laughs> madman <laughs> Who's, for, like, what he's doing is serves no purpose. He could have just blew him up. He had—he'd already been in the helicopter to to fix. The, put the wire in. Put a bomb in. Just put a bomb in there. It's <laughs> solved. Yeah. But instead, he yeah. you why know he put to the override
0: fly. in there?
1: I don't know. That, that I, no, there's, there's, shouldn't even I, be in there. I've got so many questions about it. <laughs> but I don't know why he's still got a neck brace on as well. It's like it's ten years ago when. <laughs> Why is, he waiting? is it taking that long? And he's still not better, but he's on oh, no, I I can't wait any longer. I've just got to, I've got to get this helicopter done. And he hasn't got any staff around him either. He must have done it. He must have, got, he got he must on have the taken roof? him hours. When is he going? When's, when's James going to the cemetery? Because I've got to get down there. I've got to get in the helicopter. I'm in a neck brace. So, yeah, that's so that's the scene. It doesn't serve any real purpose. That is the, the last time we see... Blowfeld in a guise um, in 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 the, uh, the original canon film series, and there is no mention of that any time throughout the rest of that canon. So that takes us on to um, something that isn't canon. Never say never again.
2: Yeah. So I guess the timeline here is quite interesting. So you're talking about for your eyes only, which was 1981, and 1983 is when Never Say Never Again is released. And so this is Kevin McClory striking again after his legal battle with Fleming in 1965. He was allowed to wait 10 years. Um, I don't want to go too in-depth on this because we'll save it for the Kevin McClory episode. But um, basically, a new McClory announced a new James Bond film in 1976. And this was going to be a different take on Bond, blah, blah, blah. And so his inclusion in For Your Eyes Only in 1981... Is right in the midst of this. They, the Broccoli's know there's an alternative Bond film out there. They know Blofeld could be part of this, and so that's. I feel like that's a huge reason for why they've put that stupid scene in there. You know, just to discredit the character completely, basically. So, uh, for this film, which is con- not considered canon, but we'll talk about it anyway. The when it was originally announced, Orson Welles was lined up to play Blofeld. Why that fell apart, I'm not sure. But yeah, he was linked with it. Um, and actually from what i understand it was sean connery who really pushed to get to to cast this film never say never again because he was like you know he'd helped co-write the script and you know he was instrumental to getting this film made but he he was very keen to make this film he said that the, the older bond films never had depth to their cast in that you know he was the lead character actor and then they just cast a load of you know nobody's in the other roles which to a certain extent is is fair but um so he really wanted to cast this film like to the hilt with really great actors and the person that you know he suggested should play Blofeld is Max von Sydow who is the um you know the very famous Swedish actor von Sydow had actually been approached by Cubby and Harry to play Dr No but he turned that offer down he talking uh, in a later interview, he said, I was offered Dr. No, yes. And I turned it down. Do I regret it? No, I don't. Well, of course, I didn't know what James Bond was at the time. And of course, I didn't know what was going to happen in the future. But then many years after, I was offered to be in Never Say Never Again. And actually, it's a very much a cameo role in Never Say Never Again. He only plays a very small part. He looks very different. He's much more, as you read about him in the books, a much more ur- urbane character. Uh, you know the European he's got the goatee beard and one thing that he carries over from the Eon films is the cat that's like something that they managed to carry over from the other way rather than you know it being something completely new so von Siddo is in that film I mean we could talk about a lot about him but there's there's not much to say really but the plot of of Never Say Never Again is, is based on Thunderball because it's based on the same uh, original script uh, there's missiles, there's Blofeld holding the world, to, uh, Inspector holding the world to ransom and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so he, Von Sido has only a very small sort of, you know, small part to play in that f- film. But Connery was a fan and yeah, and um, at, in the end, Blofeld, his fate is uncertain at this point, at the end of the film. Largo gets killed, but Blofeld, he's submerged and uh, yeah, could return another day. Obviously he's never returned another day because at this stage... You know the McClory thing basically ends here, um, and then and then ends again when when McClory dies and his his estate sells the rights to Thunderball to to, to the broccolis. Um and that's opens the door for him to return many years later. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Ma- Max von Sydow, yeah, he died uh, earlier in 2020 at the age of 90.
1: He's not a very memorable. I mean, there's not many characters Never Never Say Never Again who are memorable. It's probably actually kind of partly because of what Sean was trying to do where he wanted to get these great actors in but they're not really caricatures they're quite real the characters and Max von Sydow is a, a real Blofeld but because of that he's not very interesting he's just like a another character that's got a you know he's got a plan that he wants to do but he's not he's not a caricature in any way he's a bit dull
2: yeah I mean von Sydow um, we could talk about for hours you know he's had a huge back catalogue uh, you know The Exorcist the films he made with my Bergman and um, you know later on Star Wars, just a huge back catalog, great actor and, and worth checking out if you're not really familiar with his work, very worth delving into his time. So yeah, so we we never heard from Blofeld ever again. I mean, in the canon or non canon until
0: Well, until we really reach November twenty thirteen where the the whole dispute between the McClory family and MGM is is put to bed and the copyright all lies with the MGM. So then they decide to make Blofeld reappear in Spectre, and this time played by Christoph Waltz. But to go with the whole reboot of the character, this is a Blofeld with a, a new background, new backstory, and new motives. Played by Christoph Waltz, who is a German-Austrian actor, probably best known from his breakout with the Tarantino movies and glorious bastards specifically and um and django unchained django unchained which he, he won academy awards for best supporting actor for both for pictures both. yeah yeah um so that's how he he's became sort of known in the mainstream born in vienna and i'm sure we'll cover him when we get to w because he's been in more than one i would imagine so i, I just imagine we will of, do yeah yeah he hasn't yet no he hasn't yet no once it's released so he's born in vienna to a German set designer and an Austrian costume designer, um, so he's got a, quite a theatrical background. So this this version of Blofeld is 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 different. You know, it's it's not much left uh, of the of the old backstory. Born Franz Oberhauser, so he's the son of an Austrian climbing and skiing instructor Hans Oberhauser, and uh, the wife is who is unnamed. Hans is given temporary custody over a 12-year-old British orphan called James Bond following the death of his parents in a climbing accident. So, over these two years, he teaches the boy to ski, climb, hunt, you know, quite a few of the skills that he has required to become Bond. Um, Horse riding? Don't mention horses. (laughs) Not again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Franz becomes jealous of this relationship because they've created such a bond pun <laughs> I intended, in there. One, yeah, pun yeah. intended oh, i this yeah. obsession that one out <laughs> and this obsession this, this just, it snowballs and rolls further pun forward pun intended <laughs> uh, and Franz murders his father in a staged avalanche so he's also actually assumed killed himself but he does. he adopts his mother's maiden name and then styles himself as Ernst Stavro Blofeld. This is spoilers, by the way, if you've not seen Spectre, by the way. Just should have said that first. Spoilers. <laughs> I can't
1: imagine there's going to be many people listening to this podcast <laughs> who are going to listen to an hour and
0: a half of us listening about Bond and they haven't watched all the Bond films. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, yeah, because we first meet... and Let me get the, get with the, uh, the timeline here. So, he meets... Franz Oberhauser when he he goes to visit Spectre they they've got a, a big meeting of uh everybody who's involved with Spectre and Bond is there and he basically explains to him that he's the the author of all his pain over the last three films the three previous films so anyone who's been involved who've so got Lashif uh, Dominic Green Silver from the previous yeah. three films. They're, they're all apparently, you know, been working for Oberhauser this whole time. I think
1: I've made my feelings
0: about this very clear on numerous occasions. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is basically he wants to get back at Bond and kill Bond. So at the end of the, of the film, Bond has got Bofeld at gunpoint on, on the bridge. I won't go into how we got here because I'm sure we're going to cover it in and Christoph Waltz and there'll be plenty more opportunity to talk about this. But we reach reached this, this end point and Bond doesn't take the shot, basically. And this, this means that Oberhauser-Blofeld is then taken into MI6 custody. He's got the scar by now, right? He's got the scar due to um, an explosion. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got the, the Donald Pleasant scar, which, again... Like, they've, they've just picked one thing from the previous Blofelds, haven't they? They've got the name and the scar yeah, and done away with everything else.
1: I mean, by rights, what they should be doing is, when he's in the next film, cast a much larger um, <laughs> Spanish person to, to come on and, and play the com- a completely different character.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, obviously, then moving forward into the next film, No Time to Die... Christoph Waltz is in in the the cast and the director Kerry Fukunaga said Blofeld was an iconic character in all the Bond films he's in prison but he certainly can't be done yet right yeah interesting. what we could be doing from there and what nefarious sadistic things does he have planned from Bond and the rest of the world so you would imagine he's pulling strings and we can only speculate now because obviously the film's not yet released but he, if he's an evil, he's an evil genius, isn't he? So you
2: don't put Blofeld in the film and not have him pulling the strings, right?
0: No, exactly. And if you if you do put him in the film and not have him pulling the strings, it undermines him, and there's no point in having him. Yeah, yeah. So it, it could prove quite difficult, depending on how which route they go down. Really.
1: Yeah, you, you, you'd hope you'd hope it'd be like sort of a, a Sherlock-style twist where, even though there's a baddie in it, he's actually pulling the strings. But yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not holding my my breath on that. I don't want to get my hopes up on that because we'll get into this in more depth when we talk about Spectre, but I already had my hopes dashed for Spectre (laughs) when it came to Blofeld.
2: Well, it's interesting when they announced that film is that he was announced as Oberhauser, right? And they did the whole press rounds and he had to deny he was Blofeld at every turn.
0: Yeah, Sam Mendes was denying it as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was in the Daily Mail,
2: I think, that that, that revealed the secret from Sat and, and, you know, spoiled it for everyone. And it could have been... Maintained, but
0: could it? Could it, it have? I mean, it was.
1: Uh. I I just don't. I, I don't see why. Obviously, they they've got the rights to do Spectre. They've got the rights to do, yeah, um, Blofeld. And obviously, they've jumped on them as quickly as possible. But mm-hmm. it. Uh, I, 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 this this isn't just about Blofeld. This is about the, the the series. But it would have been so nice if they didn't use it until they start the next canon and then do it properly instead of. Get it in because the problem is, yeah, yeah. You've got the fan service. You've got the people who love Bond, and they're going, "Oh wow, Spectres in it, and, and and Blofeld's back." But a large audience that are watching Bond now in the new films don't care. They're not. They don't know. They're not really that bothered about those that that character. So they, it would have been much better to kind of, kind of carry on with the storyline as it had been instead of mm-hmm. shoving in this Blofeld character. And that's why I, I'm not a fan of this Blofeld. I think he's in in the history of the Blofelds. He is quite a confusing character. He doesn't really fit yeah. in with what's going on, and there's just too much information about him. You don't need that much information on Blofeld. He's an evil man. He just wants to get bonded. He wants money. He's not yeah. some half brother who's
0: uh, that. I think that might the be me. Half brother is the is the the one that just seems like, you do too that. much, isn't it? It's just yeah, step you don't too need far. That. Yeah, and it's co- it's too complicated because
1: you could probably go back to that film and go well, hold on, why are these things happening? Be- because you've got too much information, whereas it- with Charles Grey, you're not questioning his backstory and going, this doesn't fit. You're just saying, no. why is he taller and fatter and than dressed the as a woman. one? Why is he dressed as a woman? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I mean, I'm hoping that's going to happen in No Time to Die. I'd really like them to, to do drag again. Uh, for Blofeld, but yeah, definitely for me, is, he's a strange, he's a strange Blofeld, and I'd be interested to see how how the next canon of Bond uses him, or if they do, it. They it just, just seems like a cheap shot.
2: I think I think you're right. I think they're right. They the thing that with the with Eon is they always say, you know, we want to make the best film that we can at this available opportunity at this moment. So they will put everything they have into the movie, the next movie that they make, and that yeah. that obviously then makes it difficult to lay seeds that then get paid off later on like when you look at something like the mcu you know they could tease thanos for what was it 20 films before they did anything massive with him and that's kind of what you want that's the kind of level that you want blofeld to be at but in fact
1: yeah Yeah.
2: i just don't think he ever reaches that for me i i I, I, he his, his 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 history is just so checkered and so spotty that
1: yeah. and it shouldn't be to do with his history it should be just to do with his actions and if yeah. you imagine the whole Daniel Craig saga had started with them planning the whole yeah. saga from day one so when he says that I did those things and then he gives you a bit more information and says I did this specific thing and mm. you go back and watch the film and you go I oh, did do exactly. that I wondered why it yeah. happened and you and it would suddenly be at night all the dots would be fit but now you look at it and go well hold on at no point did Silver have any dealings with anyone? What no. were you doing? No, sending him texts, yeah, asking him how it was going. It's it just, just, it just, it was literally cheapens cheapen those baddies as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. You go last three films. Yeah, it wasn't them. That was me. Okay, it
2: sort of undermines. But what were there. you doing then? Yeah,
0: yeah, but
1: yeah, that's we'll say we'll save that for that's more of a review of the the the, 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 the Spectre script than Blofeld. But I think <laughs> in terms of Blofeld, I think he's he is a he, for me he he's a very strange. Blofeld in the in the series and, and,
2: and not one that I was a, was a yeah oh, I think Gr- Christoph Waltz is a great actor he's one of our he's one of the great actors working it's today fantastic. so they've got the right yeah. man for yeah. it but um yeah we'll see in no time to die we'll see whether and he'll be mem- me- remembered for, for being a great Blofeld
0: just just on that it might not have been him there were two there's two others I scoured the internet to find if there's any other potential castings and I could find Chewy Tell Yeah. he was a possible one and then in a leaked Sony email, Meryl Streep, she was only merely mentioned, mm. just just names, like, because they wanted to do it, they thought, oh, we could do because a... Because of
1: her sterling work on Mamma Mia.
0: <laughs> they could do a female Blofeld, and one of the producers went, it would be ridiculous, unless it was Meryl Streep, so... I mean, you
1: could, uh, that, that, that's,
0: it's completely feasible, and yeah. it's probably, it probably could work quite well, it's just,
1: you'd have to do it well, and yeah, that's, and definitely. you couldn't have just shoved it in <laughs> instantly, it's got to have a... <laughs> Have <laughs> a reason that you've done that.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So uh,
2: there we go. What else is there to say about Blofeld?
1: Well, I mean, it's funny. We've we've spoken about Blofeld quite a bit actually, but really, in terms of the character and stuff, that it doesn't. It, there's not a lot to Blofeld really. One of the things that he has obviously acc- appeared in is video games, and and there's been a lot of Bond video games over the years, for, right from the 80s, from you know really old consoles but I was was kind of researching what computer games he'd been in and for the most part if you think about it a lot of the a lot of the bomb films are like stuck in this legal discussion where they can't use Blofeld and they can't use Spectre and all of those those early games would have would have come out in the 80s and early 90s so he doesn't really appear in any old Bond games. There's no kind of platformers that that Blofeld's in, and also he's he's not the kind. If you think about old platform games, they tend to just be a big baddie that you fight and shoot, and it's always probably Jaws or you know one of the other big odd job something like that. Actually, I don't think the computer games really. It would have been Tim Dalton, wouldn't it? A computer game time and a couple of Roger Moore's. But uh, he what he he did appear in some computer games, specifically two computer games over the past ten years. And interestingly, these these computer games were during the the time where they they didn't have the legal rights to to do it, or they or they or they weren't doing Spectre and and, and Blofeld in 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 the films. So um, first one he was in was uh, Goldeneye Rogue Agent. Now I haven't played this, uh, Brendan. You played this, haven't you? Uh, yeah, briefly. Yeah, it's so the actual the premise behind these actually sounds quite interesting. I I, I would say I'd, I'd go and get them, but I I think they'd be so awful now. I, I it probably wouldn't be worth uh, trying them out. But the idea behind Goldeneye Rogue Agent it came out in two thousand four. It's a first person shooter. Obviously, every Bond game that came out after Goldeneye was a first person shooter, wasn't it? To try and. Mm. Get, tap into that money that they got from, from the original one. And they never quite did the same. This was electronic art, so it wasn't made by Rare, who did GoldenEye, so it wasn't very similar to it. Th- the way it played and stuff like that just wasn't anywhere near as good. But the the idea behind this is that Blofeld, or Number One, he's only called Number One in it, he's not called Blofeld, um, he uh, manipulates an underworld feud between its two most influential members, Dr. No and Goldfinger. <laughs> With a goal of having them ultimately destroy one another. He is assisted in this scheme by the organization's technology pipeline, Francisco Saramanga, who engineers the construction of GoldenEye's eponymous golden hued cybernetic eye. So it's quite a confusing concept. Um, and I couldn't be bothered to go into any more detail about what happened in this game. But you can see they've just kind of shoved in as many characters as they can into a strange non-canon storyline. And then the other the other game that, that came out, which I haven't played either, 007 Legends. Have you played this one, Brendan? No. Nope. So this, this is actually quite an interesting concept. It came out just before Skyfall was released, and uh, it's coincide with the 50th anniversary, uh, anniversary of James Bond. And the idea is that it follows six different James Bonds and each part of the game is one of their films. So you play a bit of Moonraker, you play a bit of Unamashic Service, you play a bit of Goldfinger, License to Kill, Die Another Day. And Skyfall was released a week before as downloadable content before the film itself was released. And it's all set in this kind of weird realm of you're Daniel Craig looking back on all... You play it as Daniel Craig, you play all the missions as Daniel Craig. But going back to the older, you know, sets and stuff like that, that 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 it was in sounds good concept sounds quite interesting it's again obviously not canon it's just random nonsense from you know they're just throwing bits and pieces together to, to cash in with the release of Skyfall looks quite good though the only other time so Blofeld was in that um, again I don't I doubt he was called called Blofeld in it um, but the uh, and there's also GoldenEye 007 for the Wii did anybody ever play I GoldenEye did. on the but Wii I'm sure we played it together me and you Oh, maybe, but I, I, I completely forgot about it. So I did a bit of research into the game itself and watched a few um, clips of it earlier. And uh, it's not GoldenEye. It's like it's it's just called GoldenEye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a similar. Obviously, it's first person, but that's it really. But interestingly, there's there. Is, Blofeld is a playable multiplayer character in this game. Uh, he was never in GoldenEye, the, the original GoldenEye, and the likeness was Charles Gray, which seems quite strange. <laughs> in drag to, to opt for that, to go for that option. In track, uh, Imagine yeah. they did. They was sat in a meeting going, right, okay, which characters are going to have? Blofeld. Uh, yeah, okay, we've got him, got the scar on his face. Whoa! <laughs> not that one. Charles Gray. Really? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, he's in that one. It, it, I'm, I'm, not really, um, I'm not really going to go into any more depth for that because I, I don't really want to research any more about GoldenEye 007 on the Wii. But I couldn't find any other games that, 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 that he'd been in. Um, do you think he'll be in Project 007,
0: the upcoming game? Yeah. Yes, I think definitely. that's a good chance. Yeah, definitely. I mean,
1: I'm I, i I'm very excited about this game. Yeah, it depends yeah, on doing
2: the origins, game. though. It might they might just carve a whole new thing and save Blofeld for later, I think, for sequels. You'll we'll see. Yeah.
1: I reckon they're not going to miss that chance, even if it's a game, isn't it? So they, they're not going to miss the chance to chuck in some Charles Gray Easter yeah. egg type things. Or it'll be multiplayer as well, won't it? So I imagine there'll be something in there. It'll be Charles Gray, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah or he'll
0: be <laughs> downloadable is, maybe unlockable he'll
1: be downloadable after his sterling work in GoldenEye 007 on the Wii <laughs> um, which I'll be ordering tomorrow um, uh, so that's it for games really uh, but if you think about it he's not really a, a game character is he he doesn't do a lot unless he was Telly Savalas who does actually run around and shoot but yeah, yeah he's, he can only at best be a voice in a yeah. you know, head honcho um, so, so
2: yeah. uh, just a slight footnote before we sort of wrap things up but um, Blofeld had a daughter in the in in the in the John Gardner books that came after the Ian Fleming books. I don't know if you discovered this while doing your research, research but her name yeah. was Nina Bismarck. French prostitute. Yeah, um, she appears in the book for Special Services, which was released uh, in 1982. But yeah, interesting that they were able to get around the uh, the McClory thing. But yeah, that's the only sort of uh, other sort of addendum to add, really. But I guess yeah, I guess he's. His impact in, in Bond is is spotty at best, but he yeah. lives on through homages in in other medium. I think.
1: Yeah, he's definitely he has lots, isn't He it? he encapsulates that Bond formula that most people would think Bond is. Bond is a resourceful solo guy who's going against a big regime that he has to tackle alone um, with his own ingenuity. and And the baddie is someone who's got endless resources, endless guns and all this stuff money and bond has to beat him so he fits that kind of standard archety- archetype out of a baddie but it's it's a lazy baddie isn't it and mm. and this and and as we said earlier, like spy love me and um and drax and moonraker that's the same thing it's a rich baddie that's got a massive plan bonds on his own he's got to beat. he's got to beat him but for me he's not the best baddie format Goldfinger is or um, where it's a little bit more or, or I suppose to an extent Alice of Alice is, is, hits that role to an extent where he's really Bond is challenged by a human as opposed to challenged by a, a rich regime of uh, yeah, an yeah faceless regime yeah it's a, it's and a they're tricky the, one I it? think they're the films where Bond comes out He's that's where where he's really you know, you really delve deeper into the character, and he does his best work.
2: I think he's best when he's hinted at. I, I think you know the "From Russia with Love" mold. I think that's that yeah. for me is 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 what you want from yeah. from Blofeld—a mysterious figure pulling the
0: strings. That's what most things have sort of done the homage homages, to, isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah, it's That,
1: yeah,
2: and it's when when it goes a bit when it gets bigger that that's when it becomes when it passes over into parody, when it becomes the Doctor Evil in, in Austin yeah. Powers.
1: And that's... But you do need that. That The Bond series did need that, didn't it? Because that probably... A certain audience probably wouldn't like Goldfinger because it is so... It's like Manoel Mano. Younger generation probably never enjoyed that. Like They just like the massive set pieces and the, you know, little Nelly and all that stuff. So that kind of Roald Dahl style, big baddie, big big set pieces, weird fantasies... It's definitely played a part in it, but um, yeah. I don't know, it's preference really, isn't it? Some people might say Blofeld is the best character in Bond. <laughs> be worth listening to. If, you, if you're listening to this and you and you love Blofeld and, and we, we, you think we're barking up the wrong tree, let us know and, and, and why. Absolutely, yeah. You know, if you
2: ever yeah. want to get in touch with us, you can get us on the uh, on Bond A to Z podcast at gmail.com. If you want to correct us on something, set us straight on Blofeld or add some more detail or... Share any information you can email us on that anytime. But uh, yeah, I guess thanks. Time to wrap things up and say thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, thanks for persevering.
1: Well <laughs> done. Yeah, that was a, that was a long one. We didn't we didn't plan that to be that long, but I suppose there's a lot of uh, a lot of discussion points around characters like like Blofeld. Not so much the information that's difficult, but just working out what what you think about them. And yeah, we'd be, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well.
2: Uh, on our next episode, we'll be delving further into the letter B. We're still on on the letter B, so it's still a long way to go. But please like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Leave us a, a review, whatever you think. And yeah, thanks for listening.
1: Thanks a lot. Thank you. See we'll you soon. Bye. Bye. The James Bond A to Z podcast features Tom Butler, Brendan Duffy and Tom Wheatley. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley with music by Tom Mills and artwork supplied by Helen Dolly.